0: Hey, moms, welcome back to the Gather Moms podcast. Hey, last episode, episode 77, we started our conversation on obedience. And we talked about how our kids are struggling to obey and the things that are causing that and how new research is proving what we have known all along because the Bible's truth has never changed. And today we're going to continue that conversation by looking at some very wise words um, from people that have gone ahead of us, the Stanleys, and what they have to teach us about the four stages of parenting and what that looks like as we discipline our children as they grow. Let's jump back into our conversation. Sometimes our frustration with discipline may be because we're stuck in a stage of parenting that is not appropriate for the age of our kids. So in my research, I came across this really great talk by Andy and Sanders Stanley, and um, he's at North Point Community Church, I think in Atlanta. Um, So they share how they learned these four stages of parenting and when they were young parents. And then having these four stages as guideposts helped them tremendously as they parented. And so I wanted to share those here because I think it's really helpful to kind of see, okay, in these stages, this is our primary objective. Now... There obviously will be overlap between these. It's not like you do one and you stop doing it and you do the next one, but they're kind of like the guidepost, the guiding principle of what, we're, what our major emphasis is during that time. Okay, so I think these are so good. So the first one is called the first stage is called the discipline years. And this is from zero to five. And it's exactly what you were talking about. And the discipline years are exhausting because you're disciplining these kids all the time. It's like it's constant, like it never, ever stops. Yes. You just want to have like a happy moment. (laughs) But you're like, stop putting that in your mouth. No, don't touch that. I told you to sit down. Like it's just constant. Yes. But that is the phase of parenting that you're in is the discipline phase. Um, And this is when you're the commander. You know, that's your role, right? Is you're trying to teach them right from wrong. Um, The goal is to establish authority. This is when consistency is so important. This is when we're teaching them that actions have consequences, right? If you bite somebody, you're going to time out. You know, if you throw a toy, well, I'm taking that toy away from you. And as they start to progress in this stage, we start using because, right? You know, you bit someone, that is wrong. It hurts them. And because it hurts them, you're going to sit in timeout, right? Because right. you need a timeout. You're making bad choices. Something, right? Where well, we're starting to explain to them the why behind behind why they're having these consequences. Yeah, and it's so funny when you think about trying to explain that to like a one or two-year-old. And they're like, they don't, they're not getting it, people. Yeah. They just, I wanted the toy. I yeah. took it. I don't. I know. But you do yeah. it anyway. Right. I mean, you still to a one-year-old, you know they touch something you're not they're not supposed to and you give their hand a little pat and you say no we don't touch that it hurts you right i mean you say it even though you know their little brains are not like quite ready for like all of that information you know but you still say it and then over time as you say it then you can start adding to it and you grow right i think the hardest thing in this stage is consistency 100% 100% i look back and i think oh i gave in so many times <laughs> yeah. Because I was just done or tired. Or you're like, they're not listening anyway. Why do I keep saying it? Yeah. I mean, it just, yes, consistency is so difficult. And consistency between spouses or, you know, the, the two parents that, or the grandparents. Like, let's say that you're a single mama and you've got grandparents helping you out and one saying one thing and you're saying another. I mean, that consistency is so important. And when we don't have it, you know, the kids see the cracks and they... You know, when they see that, then they pounce on those places. You know, I see that, though, as an adult now, like so many things in my life that I want to be consistent at and I still struggle. Yeah. It's a lifelong struggle. It is. It Just is. when you think, all right, I'm yeah. killing it for two days. Yeah. But, like the third day, you're like something throws it off that yeah. you didn't even expect. Well, and it's exhausting because in this stage, you're having to apply the appropriate tension constantly. You, you, you can't push too hard. You can't go too light right? You've got to be putting that appropriate tension where you're always staying on top of them and, you know, guiding them along, not letting it get too far. And it just can be exhausting. I wish that we had things in our house. You know, like when you're on a TV set and they have that little sign that says on air. Yeah. I wish we had that in our house so I could like look up and go, I'm still on air. Okay. I'm in. Still recording the red light. I don't know, like 8 PM, the light goes off and you're like, yes. I did it. I can relax. I like that. We just need an on-air in our home. Yeah, remember, you're still on, you know, but sometimes it's hard to forget. But, okay, so that that's the first stage is the discipline years. The second stage is called the training years, and this is ages 5 to 12. And some people call the title of this one that your coach. And so in the training years, we start explaining the why behind the rules in like a really deeper sense. And this is where no question is off limits because this is where our kid's going to start coming home and saying, Mom, what's a period? You know, or... Goes at the end of a sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, they're going to ask, what is pornography? What is, you know, what is weed? I mean, you just never know what what they're going to come home and say. This is when we really start practicing that poker face. That we, no matter what they say, we just don't freak out. We're calm. Tell me now, where did you hear that Who said that to you at school? (laughs) Who are they? I'm going to go find them. (laughs) So not that. (laughs) but just very calm of like, like this is nothing. Like they just said, butterflies are pretty. Okay. Tell me more about that. You know, and you just stay super calm because we don't, we want to be a safe place. We don't want to freak out and then teach them. Oh, I can't bring anything to mom or dad because they are going to lose it. And it's not safe. We want to be the safe place. Well, and I think sometimes as parents, we don't want our kids to be curious. You know, like Mm. when you think about technology, you're like, I don't want to be curious. Don't we go be looking at stuff? Yeah. But like curiosity is huge. We want our kids to be curious, to always be asking questions like, how does that work? And how could I do that better? And why are they thinking that? But I feel like as parents, sometimes we really do try to squash that. We're like, can you just stay in the lines? Like, this well, is what yeah. I told you to and go. And don't be curious on the internet. You know, be curious with me. Come bring me the questions. I, know, I want but them- that's what I'm saying. If they're a curious kid, it don't matter where they are, yeah. the internet or the shopping mall. They're yeah. going to be curious. I know, but I want them to bring it to me. You know, I want them to be asking me questions about just the things we were talking about. Sex and, you know, puberty and all. That's I want why them- we don't need no technology. I know, right? Get rid of we're it. cutting that out. Um, so this is where we're going to start applying faith to real life situations. So as we have the opportunity, as things are going on, then we start bringing it back to the Bible, you know, when they have a struggle with a friend that we're talking to them about what the Bible says about friendship, when they're struggling in their classes that we talk to them about how God tells us just to, to work as we're working for the Lord, that it's not about A's, right? We're starting to give them a biblical worldview, where we're taking it back to the Bible. And then we start asking them a question where they start being able to have some autonomy um, about critical thinking skills, and we ask them, would you rather do this or that? right? This is the appropriate stage to start moving into that. It's not necessarily as appropriate in the discipline years. Where we're like, would you like to wear a red shirt, a blue <laughs> shirt, a purple shirt, a yellow shirt? Okay. You know, that, that is more appropriate in this time, right? Would you rather do dance or soccer? Would you rather, right? Yes. Letting them have some ownership, some autonomy over their lives. Well, and being okay if their answer is not your answer. Yeah. Like we're starting to let them kind of lead us and what things interest them, what they want to experience. Maybe what they're – you know, sometimes it's interesting when your kid wants to do something you know they're not good at. like, you sure you really want to do that? I just don't think that's going to go well for you. Why not? Yeah. This is the chance where they can go fail something and it be okay. Or they want to wear something and they think they look so cool and you're like, mm, this doesn't look cool. But you just keep your mouth shut because <laughs> you know they're working it out, you know? Are you trying to talk about the biggest battle in the Bradford house? No, I actually was not thinking in about your kids. I was thinking about mine. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, your boys in those shorts. But that's, that's actually the, the trend. I mean, I was trying to buy shorts Okay, for but listen, and, I, th- I found out that the girlfriend doesn't like the short shorts either. She's trying to help him make them longer okay. and he won't even listen to her. Okay. I feel like there's a problem here. Well, you know, I need some peer pressure to like make an influence. <laughs> What do we got to do? Okay, but see, he has he has left that stage. He is now in our next stage, which is called The Coaching Years. And oddly, you would think that the title for this role would be The Coach, but it's Counselor. So this is where in 12 to 18, we are starting to give loving guidelines more guidance more from the sidelines. And we're letting them experience natural consequences, right? It's so hard. So hard. It's so hard when they need to sleep through the alarm. They need to be late to work. Mm. They need to not turn in the homework assignment. They need to be cut from the team. Yeah, They have to choose between two good things Yeah, like this or that. Yes, and they have to learn to do that themselves. And you know what? I really think one of the questions that Greg does so well in our house with our teenagers is that he's constantly telling our family, asking our family, I want our kids to want to come home one day. Yes. When they leave our house, I want them to miss being with us and want to come back to us. And sometimes the teenage years can be the most tumultuous. Yeah. And so your kid's going to leave going, I never want to go back there. (laughs) But honestly, when I say that in my head, okay, how can I create an environment where my kid wants to come home one day? It really does change the way I react to things. Yes. Big deals are rare. Mm-hmm. I got to stop making a big deal out of everything because it's not. Yeah, Some of those natural consequences, they really are minor in this stage of life. Yeah, They're not going to be that way when they have a job one day. But right now, we can work through that. Yeah, And it really changes the way I approach conversations with them because instead of me just immediately giving my advice, like, here's what I think, you got to hold your tongue and be like, what do you think? Well, what would happen if? So that's so good because, you know, the training years, that 5 to 12 – Everything is a teachable moment, right? We're just constantly instructing them. No, this is how we do this. This is why we do it, right? And I feel like I am stuck there right now. I'm trying to push myself into moving into the coaching years with my teenager because I feel like everything he does, I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you why we don't do that. And you got to do this. And, you know, and really, I need to let him, if he forgets to dry his shoes from running in the rain the morning before at cross country, And he has to wear wet shoes again the next day. He just has to wear wet shoes. Like, I don't need to make a big deal out of something that's not a big deal. I don't need to rail on him. I don't need to have a whole 20-minute conversation with him about responsibility. Right? He's going to suffer the natural consequences. So one of the things that I learned from Andy Stanley, actually, from his parenting, was he talked about this whole idea of pace And he said, imagine the picture of a grandpa walking on the beach with like a Uh three-year-old and imagine the pace that the grandfather has to go so that the three-year-old can keep up. Uh And would the grandfather intentionally walk too fast for the three-year-old? No, he's going to slow his pace. And he said, I think sometimes as parents, we're trying to drag our kids up to our pace. I think we need to be going this fast right now. So come on, you got to figure this out versus our kids. They're not there yet. And so we need to slow our pace to meet theirs. Okay. And so sometimes we're trying to push. And I think it's hard because as parents, we feel like we're supposed to push. Yeah. Like, aren't I supposed to push them to do more, be more, get more, you know, yes. all that kind of stuff. But it's like, at some point, if I push my kid too hard past the pace they can go, they're no longer hearing my advice or my wisdom. It's all resentment and bitterness yeah. because I'm not connecting with them in a way that they understand. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if I'll just slow my pace down to them, they'll actually catch up and then we can go together. That's but good. stop dragging your kids. Yeah. Cuz that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. That's really good. I think the other thing that's important here is that we let them mess up while they're in their home. You know, one of our favorite mentors has taught us that we want to we want them to fail while they're in our home being loved by a loving family rather than outside of our home and being disciplined by an unloving world. We want them to have the opportunity to fail with us, and it be okay to fail. And we love them. We can support them through it. We want it to be a safe place to fail, and we want them to do it here with us. So we're not trying to push perfection on our kids. No, mess up. Mess up now. Mess up early. Let's learn these lessons before you get outside of this home and you're learning it from a police officer. Well, and that goes back to the Bible, too, in 1 Corinthians, where it talks about chapter 13, love is patient. Mm. I mean, I just, I don't think we ever associate patience with failure. Mm. Like, when my kid fails, that's an opportunity for me to show that love is patient. When my kid's not going at my pace, it's an opportunity for me to show that love is patient. Because so often, my love wants to be hurried and do it my way or the highway, And but I know what's best for you. But love is patient. And so when I offer my child the opportunity to fail within my home, I am teaching them biblical love. Like this is what we do. This is how Jesus taught us to love one another because we know that one day they're going to be out in the world and somebody else is going to fail them. And I don't want them to react in a way that's harsh or mean or cruel. I want them to respond like Jesus would. That's so good. So I think at this phase, this is when we can start asking the question or saying the statement, That's a decision you can make. So starting to empower them to make a choice, right? Um, They're picking out their classes for their senior year and we're looking at it and going, wow, that's too much or that's too little or, right? But... Those kids are one year away from being out of your house. We have got to start letting them figure those things out right now in our home. So we say, that's a decision you can make. You know, when we can, we let them make the decision about that. Well, and I heard Andy Stanley say this uh, phrase, too, that he used with his kids was, um, when you're ready to make that decision, I'm going to support you wholeheartedly. Until you get there, could I just share some advice with you that, that I might do in that situation? Yeah. Because sometimes our kids don't know and they really do want our advice, but we want to give it in such a way that we're not telling them what to do, but we're empowering them. Yeah. So, hey, when you figure out what you think the, the answer is, come back and let's talk about it. Until then, could I just give you some thoughts on that? That's really good. I thought that was really good, too. I'm going to use that in my house yeah, this week. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to use that this I like, week. And well, and the, I mean, I'm listening to what we're saying. I'm doing my own self-introspection here of, like, where do we need to be doing better here? So the final stage is called the friendship years, and this is 18 plus, and this is where we become a consultant. So this is when our kids need space and independence, And this is when we start saying to them, let me know if I can help. Oh, that's so hard. Let me know if I can help. Don't kick me out of your life. (laughs) Yeah. I want to be part of it too. But we want them to know that like we believe in them. You know, when when we are micromanaging, when we're worrying about every little detail, where are you? Did you do this? Did you do that? What we're telling them is, I don't think you can do it without me. And that's not what we want to be. Our job is to work ourselves out of a job. And if we're going to do that, then we really have to start moving into that phase during the coaching years where we're taking our hands off more and more so that when we launch them, We can enjoy the friendship years, and we can be there when when our daughter wants to call and say, wait, how do you boil a potato, you know? Or our son calls and says, hey, I like this girl. What should I say to ask her out? You know, that they're ready to get consulting from us because we have told them, we believe in you. Yes, and that our behavior while they were in our home reflected that. Mm. Because I think sometimes as parents, we're quick to say what we think, but we're not quick to act it out. And so what I need to remind myself is that my kids are watching me more than they're hearing me. Mm. And so the way that I'm behaving around them, the things that I show them and how I respond to their dad or I respond to conflict or I handle worry or anxiety, they're watching that and picking up that on that more than the words that I'm saying. Because I think we're like, of course, they're going to remember this grand thing that I've <laughs> said in this 45 yeah. minute conversation. No, they're not. Yeah. And I think we see that with little kids all the way up to big kids, that my behavior is what they're going to remember one day. Right. It's more caught than taught. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And, and so, right. That's a good reminder too. Um, To me, that, that one feels like pressure because I'm like, oh, (laughs) but I think even when I'm messing up, just be honest about the mess up, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I think I've gotten better about that with my two olders recently of just being like, hey, I'm sorry I was short with you guys. I'm feeling stressed about blah, blah, blah. That doesn't make it okay. But, you know, this is why I was short with you. Can we all, you know, we're having more conversations and I'm just being transparent about where I'm falling short. No, I had to do it last week with my 16 year old. I said something I shouldn't have said and I had to go to his room later and say I was wrong. Mm. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, you know, it would be so nice if the Bible explicitly said this is how you parent. Right. Or this is what a healthy family looks like, but it doesn't. And in fact, the opposite of true, like the Bible is full of dysfunctional families. There is an example for everything you shouldn't do, (laughs) which is kind of interesting, right? Yes. Like, why didn't we have a whole book on the Bible set aside for parenting? You know, we've got Jacob and Esau. Maybe there is. And God's like, y'all just haven't figured it out yet. But this book is for you. But we've got Jacob and Esau, who Rebecca is trying to get Jacob to help manipulate the dad, you know. We've got Joseph and Jacob, where you look at – I mean, he passes on this same ridiculousness of this, like, showing favor to a kid because he shows favor to Joseph. He passes along this terrible thing, which ends in all this dysfunction. We've got Abraham, who – I mean, I guess it was a good thing that he was willing to kill Isaac, but also, like, oh, that feels not great. (laughs) So God this. told him to. <laughs> he was being obedient. You know, there's just all this. I mean, it's just dysfunction after dysfunction. Where are the right? girls? Do we have dysfunctional girls? Oh, 100%. Yes, we've got Leah and Rachel, right? Sister wives who were all over each that was other. That's not Leah's choice. Okay. We've got Sarah who laughed at God because she couldn't get pregnant. She was like 100 when she got pregnant. Now we've got good ladies like yeah, Ruth. We do. Come on, shout out to the good ones. Yeah, Mary. But even like, it's interesting to me that even God doesn't use like Jesus's family as an example of a healthy family. Actually, what we see is in his early life, in his early ministry years, it's actually dysfunctional, right? They kind of leave him by the wayside. It isn't until the end of his life that they kind of start circling back up with him, you know? So we even see the dysfunction there. So listen, if your brother or sister doesn't like you right now, there is hope for you. Jesus showed us that. Hang in there. I think the best example of a healthy family dynamic is actually Jesus and his disciples. And I think that's actually the healthy family that we can see in the Bible. And, you know, so many times we've talked about how Jesus is so much like the parent and the disciples are his kids. And I really think that's true. And so I think if we're going to look for an example of a healthy family dynamic, we can look to Jesus. Think about the way he interacted with them. And think about the four stages of parenting that we just talked about, because I think they coincide with exactly how Jesus developed his disciples over those three years. Okay. So remember the discipline stage. There were times when his disciples needed correction. Where Jesus had to call out their bad behavior, and he was so good at getting to the heart of what they were doing wrong. Like, remember when they were fighting over who was the greatest, Uh right? And he's like, basically, this is ridiculous. Cut it out. Neither of you can sit on the throat. You know what I mean? Like he gets to the heart of the matter, but he has to discipline them. They were out of line. Or when the boat was sinking and they freaked out and he's like, why are you freaking out? Don't you know who I am? You know, that there were moments when they had to be disciplined, especially early on. We actually see him kind of discipline Peter later in his life, but it's more of a consultant role where he's asking him questions, which I think is interesting. We'll the one by that. the fire? Yeah. Oh, that's good. When he comes back. Yes. Okay, so then think about, so we have the discipline years, then we have the training years. And think about this. Jesus asked the disciples questions. He asked them to think things through. And... When they were ready, they started to take ownership and be part of the family's work. Everyone had a role and everyone helped. But remember, you know, so he asked them things like, who am I? Do you love me? Why were you afraid? Right? He was asking them questions to get them to think about owning their faith, to get them to start connecting it themselves where he wasn't just telling them this is how it is. He's wanting them to take that information and make it their own. That's so good. And I think honestly, I don't ask enough questions to my kids. Like it makes me want to stop talking and just ask a question and listen to them. Yeah. Because I do think that um, when my kids, just like the disciples, were able to process the information and come up with a response, it actually stuck with them more than if I was just telling them what to do. Yeah. Well, and think about the fact that he also put them to work you know, this goes back to the, the book that we referenced at the beginning of the episode, you know, and that that they, like, when when they had to feed the 5,000, Jesus didn't just do it. He was like, no, y'all do it, right? Remember, they're like, no, excuse me, how are we supposed to pull this off, right? But he wanted them to take ownership over it. It's like it. the first time you ask your kid to clean the bathroom, <laughs> and they come back in, like, two seconds, and they're like, I'm done. Yeah. You're like, there's no way. <laughs> Or when he sends out the twelve, right? Remember he had trained them up and then he sends them out to go and do the work that He has taught them to do. And over time they had more independence and authority and then until we get to like the friendship stage, until Jesus was ready to leave them, they were ready to be independent. Um, they were ready to stand on his own on their own with him supporting them. All these things He had been teaching them and training them in, they were ready to now go and do. And that's the Great Commission. I mean, remember, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can't you just see? You can almost say something like this to your kid dropping them off at college. You know, go therefore. You know, this is is your mission field. I know you're laughing. That's okay. I need everybody to get a poster. (laughs) This is going in your kid's dorm room. (laughs) We are starting a revolution called the Great Commission (laughs) drop-off. We're all going to be saying it on the curb. But think about it. It's the sending off, right? It's that sending off message of now you go and do. All these things I have taught you, all these things I've prepared you for, you go, and I'm with you. I got your back. I haven't left you, right? Well, and the... The part where he says, I'm sending the counselor to be with you, the Holy Spirit, that he really didn't leave them alone. He left them someone that would continue to advise them. And as parents, we're not leaving our kids alone in this world. The Holy Spirit is with them too. They still have the advisor with them. So it's not like we have to handhold them. We have to trust that their relationship with their father, God, has the Holy Spirit inside of them helping them make decisions when we're not there to help them make decisions. Yes. Yes. One little other thing I think that we can learn from Jesus as parent is that it's interesting to remember that no two kids are exactly the same and no two disciples were the exact same. Like when we look at the way that Jesus interacted with the disciples, he cared for each of them according to their needs, right? He treated Peter differently than he treated John. Peter needed a heavier hand, right, than his beloved disciple. It was different. You see that he talks to them differently. He trains them differently. And I think although we've talked about, you know, just a myriad of things, you may have a kid that needs more of like a gentle style of parenting and you may need a kid that needs more of a heavy-handed style of parenting. Our kids are different and they're gonna respond differently. I think one of the most underrated needs in parenting is creativity. I think we have to remember that we have to be creative about how we engage with our children, how we interact with them, that they are different. And Jesus knew that, and he interacted differently with his disciples. Well, and that's one of the hardest part of parenting is when you have kids in different stages all at the same time, Mm. and you're trying to respond to them each in a way that's going to help them. But listen, moms, we have a lot. That's a lot to take in and do as a mom all day long when you've got different age kids. So you know what? It's okay that you mess up sometimes and you don't handle a situation correctly. Yeah, And it's okay if you haven't quite figured out what style of parenting your kid needs yet and you're still trying to figure that out. We also have the Holy Spirit inside of us that's supposed to be helping us do this job too because we can't do it alone. That's right. He helps us. I think the biggest thing for us to remember as mamas is even though it can be so hard is that our children are a blessing. We ask God for them, and he gave them to us as precious gifts. And it's our great privilege to be a part of their lives and to serve and support them. And we have got to keep that message right in front of our face, that they are not our adversary. They are a gift, and they are precious to us. And so often we think about what our children need to do to serve us, and we can see it like we talked about as us versus them. You know, who has done what for another? You owe me something. But remember, if we are going to follow the example of Jesus as we mom, he told us what to do. As mamas, when he told his disciples to follow his example in John 13, when he washed their feet, this is what he said to his disciples. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That we would remember that... We are moms, we are leaders in our home, and we want to be servant leaders. We want to serve our children, not to be um, harsh with them and commanding and expecting them to serve us, that we look at how can I serve this beautiful gift? How can I equip them? How can I love them well? And that's not always going to mean that doesn't mean that you're like you know washing their feet or you're like a doormat or anything. that, that looks like Jesus. That looks like his example of serving and loving them well. Well, and that's where I want to encourage us to, to remember that when the Bible talks about the way that Jesus loved others, That really is the way we're supposed to love our kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in our parenting years, it almost feels like our love is supposed to be different because I'm in charge. Yeah. But I think when we think about the Bible and the way that Jesus talked about love, it wasn't like there were different kinds for different, you know, parents, grandparents, teachers, whatever. We're supposed to love each other all like Jesus loved us. And so sometimes when you read scriptures like washing one another's feet, you think, okay, well, that's like for later, like not right now. Yeah. Yeah. But really, when we love our kids as the Bible tells us to, then they grow to love others as the Bible tells them to. We really are modeling that for our kids. And so you really can read scripture and take that to heart as a parent and go, I'm going to put that into practice right now. That's not when they turn 18. That's not when they have kids of their own. I can do it right now at 5, 12, 16, whatever age they are. Yes. And ask the Holy Spirit, the helper who is with us, to parent them in that way. Moms, we love you. We're so glad you're here. We hope there's just some little nugget that you can take from this today to go, hey, I'm in this phase. I, I can tweak the, in this area or I'm in this phase and I could be more like Jesus in this area. We hope it blesses you. We're so glad you were here. And we'll see you next time. Moms, join us on our Patreon community starting September 5th as we do a 30-day Pray for Our Children challenge. Just go to patreon.com slash gathermoms to get all the info you need.